Welcome to another edition of the Untold Patriot Stories podcast with Scott Prusak and Dave Usher, where you'll hear stories told by the players and media members. Welcome to another Untold Patriot Stories podcast with my co-host Scott Prusak. Uh, We've got a, an unbelievably passionate fan, just like us, uh, and uh, he's going to give us some insights uh, that I think no other really reporter in the in the, in the world really brings. And uh, we appreciate uh, his his thoughts and his insights. Uh, Greg Bedard, uh, Boston Sports Journal. Uh, you hear him on uh, Felger, Felger and Maz. Uh, um, you probably read him in the Globe or Sports Illustrated. He's uh, been around for a long time, and uh, welcome to the show, Greg. And uh, Scott's going to kind of start it off, and uh, we'll get this show rolling. Go Pats! All right, thanks, well, guys. Ec- excited to be here. Thanks for well, having me. Oh, thanks for being on. Like I said, you were you were somebody that was on the list to get on, so we finally made it happen. So I guess I'll start it off by asking you because I think this year I'm totally amazed by what I'm seeing just from the beginning of training camp. Um, you know, we ran into you a couple of times down there and watching watching what, what's gone on. Did you ever think for somebody that built the program on, I'm going to do what's best for the team, um, players not speaking out to the media, having coaches that were qualified, did you ever think <laughs> that you would see the circus that we've seen this year? And and now, I mean, by the day, the stories are getting worse. I mean, now they're talking about the players don't understand why they're getting all this time off when they can't get things right. That came out today. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, did you ever think you'd see a Bill Belichick controlled team be this? I, I mean, everything this year is, is kind of like the, um, if you watch Seinfeld, there was that, I forget what they called it, but the group of friends that were the, the opposite. The bizarro. Right? So yeah, the bizarro world. Have, did you ever think in the time you've been covering the Patriots, did you ever think you would see a situation that we're seeing right now? No, no. And in a variety of different ways. I mean, you know, to me, and I don't know why it started, where it started, but, you know, I think it was somewhere around 2016, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there where, you know, when I, you know, when I started covering the team around like 2010 and I had watched the team from afar, I'm from New England. Um, I didn't grow up a Patriots fan, but I, you know, I still, uh, spent a lot of time here, grew, you know, went to high school here and, and, you know, always had my eye on the Patriots. Um, you know, I grew up a Dolphins fan cause you know, we moved down to, I was born up here, but then we moved down to South Florida, um, when I was young going into second grade and really the Dolphins were the only game in town. And so, you know, sort of coincided with Dan Marino coming in the league. So, you know, yep. I gravitated towards the Dolphins. The rest of my family stayed Patriots fans. And so, yep. you know, I got equal doses. So I would watch a lot of the bad Patriots teams and, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, saw them, you know, I was at the 85 AFC championship game, uh, the squish the fish game. And, and, uh, I was the little kid sort of, you know, crying, coming on the way out because, you know, the <laughs> Patriots are being mean to my team and I yeah. thought we were going to the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, that's sort of like a little bit of background. But, you know, when I started covering the team, um, you know, I had covered the Dolphins in the league. I covered the Packers, but I always kept my eye on the Patriots. And, of course, at that time, like I my first year 
100% on the beat was the 2004 NFL season. I had done NFL work before that. So it's sort of basically around year 2000. So really when Belichick started here is when I started covering the NFL in some fashion. And so I always kept an eye on them and I always admired them. I always, you know, that what they had built was unbelievable. And when I started covering the team and I sort of, you know, would, would ask more NFL sources about like, you know, why is this work? Why are they so successful? And, you know, there are a variety of different reasons, including the quarterback and, and things like that. But, you know, as I got to watch the team and how they operated up close, I, it was unbelievable to me how Bill always thought two or three years down the line with everything. Yeah. Uh, coaches, players, like you, like clockwork, you could look at their roster and say, all right, in two years, this player is going to be a free agent. So if they don't, so if, if he gets the free agency, they're going to have another option. So they're going to draft somebody here and start developing that guy to be ready to the point where they can tell that player, here's our offer. If you don't want it, we have another guy ready. Yep. And that went on for forever with this team and including the coaches like Charlie Weiss left. Josh McDaniels was ready. You know, when Josh McDaniels left, Bill O'Brien was there, you know, and then they were lucky. They had other people in mind, but then Josh McDaniels was able to come back after Denver and St. Louis. And so the Patriots, for one of the reasons why they were so consistently successful was because Bill always looked two, three years down the line saying, what am I going to need? Where are the potential uh, pitfalls as far as my roster or the coaching staff? And he just stopped that at one point in time. I mean, he had Jimmy Garoppolo ready for Brady, but when he traded Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett in the same season, he didn't do anything about quarterback. I mean, if Tom Brady was getting old when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, what was he doing once they traded him? He was still getting old. Um, You know, position after position. You know, they had Dante Hightower was getting towards the end of his career. Did they really get anybody ready for him? Rob Gronkowski, nothing at tight end. But even though you knew year to year he was getting it was getting more and more tenuous about him stepping away or just you know being too injured to continue and like you know Chandler Jones gets traded to Arizona you know did they really try to you know draft a guy up high and find the next guy not really right. and so you know it, it and and just continued on to the coaching staff yeah they had a brain drain in the front office and the coaching staff but where were the next guys I mean Josh McDaniels agreed to become the Colts head coach. <laughs> and did you did you see that and say, all right, you, well, you were able to get him back. That should have said to you, all right, now I have time to get it. Because one of the reasons why I think Belichick and the Crafts sort of went hard after McDaniels and made it, made it enticing for him to come back was because there was nobody else there to do what right. he did. So they almost had it. So – did did that set off alarm bells to them? Like, hey, let's get ready. Josh is going to leave pretty soon. Let's get ready. No, it didn't. They didn't do anything. And so in some ways, uh, you know, if you would have asked me in 2014, did I ever think that this this sort of year would come up? No. But given, you know, if you asked me three years ago, I would have said it's coming. And Belichick's not really doing much about it. So you bring it so- – to go back to your point about Garoppolo, do you think at that point, do you think that started the separation? Because, you know, obviously, like the stories that Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo, but Kraft wanted to keep Brady. 
right? So he he traded him because basically he just said, okay, that's what you want. I'll trade Garoppolo. But I, I just don't. How can you, for somebody that said I've, I'm always going to do what's best for the team, you can you can't you can't tell me that there wasn't. You have a, a second year quarterback starting this year, so you you bring in Judge who ruined the quarterback in New York, who now looks good under a different coach. You bring in uh, Pat- uh, Patricia, who brought an organization to its knees pretty much, right? Told the reporter to, to sit up straight to show respect. Mm-hmm. How can, how in your right mind, even Belichick being a genius, whatever you want to call him, how in your right mind could you sit back and say, well, I'm going to give my second-year quarterback no good off. Like, how could that be what's best for the team? Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I think it started sometime around, you know, late in the 2010, 17, 18, where Bill, the priority for Bill shifted, and he's never told me this, and and nobody, you know, directly in the Patriots have told me this. I'm just I'm just reading the tea leaves from right. analyzing this organization year after year. And in my mind, the focus went from what's best for the Patriots, which was good for everybody to what was good for Bill, what was comfortable for Bill. And we even heard some of this stuff, like, you know, he tells Urban Meyer, like, you know, at this point in time in my career, I just want to coach guys that I want to coach. You know, basically he's saying, like, there's some talented guys that I just don't want to waste my time with because I'm getting older and I I just don't want to do it. And so, you know, I mean, are you telling me that even though I'm sure they're fine coaches, but this is what happens when you work for your dad. But, you know, are you telling me that Steve Belichick and Brian Belichick are the two best coaching options, you know, yeah. that, that they're the best for this team? Are you telling me, I mean, and so I, I think, I think especially the last couple of years, it's been about Bill being comfortable. And I think it's something the crafts have to take in consideration. Once we see the totality of this season, you know, if they lose the last four games, and they finished um, seven and ten, um, you know, compared to you know what's you know and the totality of what's gone on basically since the end of Brady to now. Um, in my mind, there's no question that a lot of those decisions are the reasons for that. And I don't think he's, I don't think Bill, I don't think it's paramount to him what's in the best interest of the Patriots anymore. I think it's what's what's comfortable for him. I mean, look at you know. Mac Rowe is in charge of the personnel department. You know, he's a guy who basically says yes to him. He brings back Patricia. He could have easily gotten an Adam Gase who say yeah. what you want about a head coach. You know, he's done a pretty good job as an offensive coordinator in a lot of different places and worked under Josh at one point in time. So he has familiarity with the Patriot system. I don't think it would have been too big of a stretch for him to come in here. And I think it's somebody that Mac would have, really taken to and really like that. And so, yeah, it's, um, there was definitely a shift. I can't pinpoint it when or why, but in my mind, there's no question that there's been a shift in Belichick's priorities in the later years. Yeah. I mean, we've basically become what we used to pick on about other teams. We used to love it when teams would come in because we would, you know, now we're that team. So good, good, Bob. Well, Belichick's now, you know, one of the highest paid guys out there. I mean, uh, you know, how does that affect Kraft saying, you know, I'm paying you, you know, 20 whatever million dollars and uh, you got these other guys that they get on the cheap. Is that part of the process, too? Is only a certain I mean, it's got to be. I mean, I, I don't think they I don't think in, in, you know, Bill being paid a lot and sort of, you know, only going so far for Brady. I think that 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 was all part of the equation for Belichick, because, you know, I know in years past, I mean, 
Mike Lombardi has written it in his book that there was one point in time, some contract negotiation that he had in Cleveland where he said, I have a real hard time paying this guy more money than I make. And look, for a long time, considering all that Bill did, you know, GM, director of football operations, the head coach, um, you know, would sometimes direct step in and direct the defense and things like that. There's no question with the amount of hats that Bill wore and the success of this franchise, there's no question he was worth that money. And the and the crafts were smart to say, you know, he, he's earned it and you know, we're gonna do that. But it's also fair at this point in time for the crafts to say, is Bill doing as much as he did ten years ago? Is the team as successful? You know, whose fault is it that we're not as successful? And I can tell you, they're not thrilled where where the team is. Now, they're never reactionary. They're not going to do anything during the season or they're, they're going to wait until the end of the season and look at the scoreboard and weigh certain things. But, um, yeah, his salary and getting paid what he's paid. And I think it's more than $20 million. Right. I think it's more along the lines of $25 million plus bonuses and things like that, sure. that, uh, they are more than within their right to say they've done it with players. If the Patriots, can, if Bill Belichick can do it to players. Why can't the crafts do it with him to say, like, is he worth it anymore? And we don't pay for past performance. We pay for future performance. What is that for Belichick at this stage? I don't know. So I know I listened to some of your preseason prognostications and and what we expect from certain players and, you know, the internal and external pressure and you know, some of the guys that aren't really performing. Uh, I know Jonu Smith was one of uh, your top guys way back when. Uh, what's up with him? Yeah, Jonu is a guy that, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people were expecting a lot from him coming into this year. Um, you know, a lot of people because I understand the fans want to have hope. Um, you know, they thought maybe Josh McDaniels was the reason that, you know, John, he didn't know how to t- utilize Jonu well enough. Uh, I never thought that way. I thought that um, Johnny Smith has had um, issues getting open down the field um, throughout his time here. I think his whatever his biggest year was in Tennessee was kind of overrated. Um, I, I just don't think he's that good of a player. It's not a surprise to me that he hasn't produced. Um, there's no way to properly utilize him that's going to get him to play any better. Um, right. You know, he's always he's not a natural ball catcher. Uh, he doesn't run great routes. He's not a great blocker. Um, you know, you can't, his athletic ability is good. You know, they handed a ball off to him and he literally dropped the ball, um, <laughs> at, at one point in time. So that it doesn't surprise me. I think it was a, it was a miscalculation on Belichick's part in terms of how he was going to fit here. Well, are you surprised with, cause like I said, one of the things that came out today was, um, the amount of time that the coaches will be uh, putting in now. Um, people saying that they don't think that the amount of time being put in is what it was obviously back in the days of being successful. Some of the players are kind of questioning they get an extra time off, you know, take the time off, take a couple extra days, and they don't feel like they're where they should be. Now this, you know, they're saying that players are thinking that they have to do the coaching on their own. It's just amazing that, Belichick would never let this stuff happen. I mean, players are saying stuff at press conferences. They're saying, and he's he's just kind of letting it all happen. Do you think, in one way, shape, or form, do you think is he close to losing the team? And if is is are we one win away from seeing, you know, 
you termed it a, a shit show. I mean, are we are we are we one loss away from really seeing? Could we really see this thing unravel like we never thought we would? Because Belichick's not controlling this at all. I mean, he's letting the guys um, talk. Yeah, I think it's um, you know, as far as the the reports about you know giving them time off, I mean, it's it's hard for me to say, and you know, and what the players are sort of saying, you, you know. It's hard for me to really judge that. I did know I was, I've always been critical the past few years of like how they've structured training camp. I think it's been a joke. Some of the long weekends they've given, um, you know, I, I don't understand it. I'm sure there are, there's somebody like in sports sciences or something saying like, this is best for the team and you right. know, blah, 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 and injury prevention. And so, you know, who am I to criticize that? Um, you know, as far as where the team is, as far as, you know, are they teetering? Could they, could the, could the bottom fall out on this? Yeah, I think it could. Um, I think this is a big, all of these games. I mean, the Cardinals game, if Kyler Murray doesn't get hurt, um, I, I didn't like what I saw early. It was only three plays, but you know, and the Patriots would have adjusted, but, um, he was the type of quarterback that, that would have right. given them a lot of problems. And, you know they've only beaten one starting current starting quarterback so far this year, and that's Jared yeah. Goff. Right, uh, everybody else they've beaten as a backup. Um, I I do think I do think that they the the bottom is close to falling out. You know them losing at Arizona and losing out the rest of the year. I think it was on the table, and I think it's still on the table. Um, this is what happens when. Um, when you make choices like Belichick did to go to Patricia and judge, and that's when players, if it doesn't work, if they don't, you know, you, okay, fine, Bill, you want to make that decision. That's fine. It better work. And it has not worked at all throughout the entire campaign. I mean, you know, I, I know I'm on record saying like it was the worst, one of the worst NFL offenses I've ever seen in training camp. I think people say, I think people now know that it wasn't hyperbole. When no, I said that, no, it's painful. Um, to, it's painful to watch. And still, I never thought it would be this bad this late in the season. I thought fi- I figured midway point in the season they figure something out. Um, but you know, when you make decisions like that, where guys have their livelihoods at stake, and you know, Mac Jones is taking heat, and you got the Bailey Zappy thing going on, and you know, and and you know, all these guys are coming in. Some of them approaching free agency. And like, you know, say like an Isaiah win, you switch him to right tackle where he used to be a left tackle and Trent Brown. And, you know, when those th- things work, don't work. And these guys' livelihoods are affected. What they might make, you know, in free agency or a year from now or whatever. That's when guys start to get really disgruntled. And so, you know, the Patriots, you know, better win this game and they better continue to win or at least be really competitive or else. Yeah, I think I think people are teetering on, you know, whether to believe this anymore because it's just it's getting really really late in the game and for it to be this bad this late is not good. Now, if they lost a game and it was pretty bad, you know, say Josh McDaniels comes up with this, you know, great plan and and they kind of they trounce us by a big margin and he shows that he has a good offense and all that stuff. I think this loss could be the biggest one of them all if they lose this game, especially with everything that's going on and McDaniel's wins, and then you get the whole. Um, you know, you do you feel that way too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and I've watched the Raiders film all season, um, just because you know I I like McDaniel's, I like Ziegler, and I kind of you know it's kind of like watching 
Patriots 2.0 like start over again and I wasn't here for the beginning of that so I get to see sort of like the genesis of it um certainly a lot of talent on that team if they get Waller and Renfro back and they're healthy and can play um then you'll start to see sort of more the real Raiders offense but you know this Raiders team does have issues they're five and eight for a reason you know Carr. I've never been a big car guy he, he looks spectacular for about two and a half quarters every game but he has a, about a quarter half a quarter where mm-hmm. he's just terrible and costs the team games and and uh so you know we'll see if they can get it all together I mean I know a lot of guys over there are going to be motivated not just the coaches but you got like Deron Harmon and Brandon Bolden and other people who you know are are you know motivated to to you know show themselves up to the Patriots and you know that it's weird because like last week was such a step back for them with the Rams and the thing was like it was there for them to win even if they eked it out but they just made so many stupid mistakes that because they I did think the game before the Chargers game I thought that was the first time everything had really clicked for them the defense had gotten a little bit better it was really the first time I saw a Josh McDaniels offense on the field for the Raiders all year and, you know, give credit, the Rams do, even without Aaron Donald, they have a pretty good defense. They had a yeah. tough time finding people open. And it's a shame that they took that step back last week because I think things were really starting to click for that team. And, you know, who knows? The the Patriots could be the perfect opponent for them. But I, I do worry about this game for the Patriots. Yeah, I just think Kraft would look at it and say, you know, if, if, if McDaniel comes up with a great plan and we get trials, because you know if the Raiders get ahead of us by – even a touchdown, or if they they get ahead by two touchdowns, you you know we're not coming back. So I mean, yeah. just not with our offense. Yeah, so yeah. I have, think. I, yep. Go ahead, Bob. Well, I just wanted to follow up with you know when I'm watching the game, I'm looking at who makes the most mental errors. You know, is how when you're watching the game, are you looking at the offensive line, the defensive line? Are you looking at the time management, or are you looking at the discipline on the field? Uh, it's a good question. It, it depends on, um, you know, if I'm at the game, if I'm at home, you know, I don't go to some of the road trips. Like I haven't, I wasn't in Arizona. I won't be in Vegas just cause, um, I'm, I'm getting old. I don't like to travel and it's gotta be, it's gotta be worth it for me. Plus I got kids in high school who are busy with high school sports and that's tough to, to miss right now. Uh, and plus th- the way I do things, the way I report the game, like, you know, I don't need to be at the game. I'm not a big locker room guy. I used to do that in my beat reporting days. You know, I, now I'm trying to, I'm trying to give people what they can't see on TV and, you know, what they can't get at a podium, um, sort of the whys and hows of the game. You know, I guess as the game's going on, um, you know, I, I'm sort of, you know, watching trends, sort of, you know, how, how offenses are attacking the defense and vice versa. Um, and what that sort of says about the team. But, you know, and then sometimes it, depending on if much X's and O's is involved in it, I'll go back and, and, and watch certain stretches of the game a little bit more closely to, you know, really see what's going on. I sort of leave the, on individual players and how well they played, I kind of leave that until, um, until I get to watch the film the next day. Uh, just because I don't want to be reactionary, like you know, when I say something, I want it to be, to be right. So I sort of just, uh, I try to stay as big picture as possible off of the game. But if I can dial it in, I try to. So you, you've one thing I know from watching Fargo and Maz and, and watching you is, uh, so you, you kind of have an affinity for for linemen. What got you into that? What got you? What made you 
focus so much on linemen because you get pretty passionate when you talk about linemen. So <laughs> I do. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it started out a little bit. My dad was a pretty good high school and, uh, and, and college center. And, uh, so, you know, he used to teach me about the game. You know, he used to be like, don't watch the ball, watch the line. That's where, you know, so I started with my lessons there. And then, you know, I just, I've always gravitated towards, well, first of all, the offensive linemen in the locker room, when I used to cover locker rooms, you know, they're, they're the smartest and funniest guys on the team. So I just sort of gravitated <laughs> really? towards there. Oh yeah. Um, you know, they really are. And, um, you know, and they're, they don't get much publicity. So, you know, they don't mind talking to reporters and, and, uh, and well, some of them, uh, some of them are absolutely <laughs> awful, but, yeah. um, you know, it, it didn't take me very long to be like, you know, that's really where the game is decided in the trenches. I mean, you know, when everybody else gets all enamored, especially in this world of fantasy football, where it's like, you know, oh, the quarterback this and, you know, running back and, you know, touches and, you know, you got to get him the ball and things like that, where, you know, yeah, well, to me, in my mind, if you look back at any any successful Patriot season or unsuccessful Patriot season, you know, it, usually it's been about the line. I mean, when they lost the Giants, both those Super Bowls, it was because they got beat up front. That's the only reason why. And and uh, so while everybody else is watching the quarterbacks, I mean, you know, when I cover the Patriots, there's no quarterback competition. You know, Tom Brady's the quarterback. Right. You know, you might occasionally watch some wide receivers and things like that. But, you know, I leave that to everybody else. I like watching the one-on-one pass blocking because I think – I think that's where the game's determined. And, uh, you know, if you know the game, if you can understand the game, the line play, then it unlocks a lot of football for you. So Cole Strange, you know, seemed to start off pretty well. Uh, I mean, David Andrews, and then he gets banged up a little bit. But, I mean, who's playing well on the offensive line now? I don't see anyone really kind of being real consistent these last couple of weeks. I mean, they're just plugging yeah. guys in. If you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said Owenu was by far the best offensive lineman, but he's kind of, you know, slid back a little bit in recent yeah. weeks. This past yeah. week was better. Uh, Andrews, uh, Andrews has probably been the most consistent guy. Um, Trent Brown, for the most part, until the past couple of weeks, and he hasn't been feeling well, he's done a pretty good job over there. Hasn't been perfect, and, you know, you have the strip sack in Miami, but he's done a pretty good job. Cole Strange, Look, he's a rookie. Um, I I don't get too high or too low on rookies. Um, I was not a fan of drafting a a guard in the first round. Um, The Patriots, back when they used to, you know, sign guys and develop them, you know, years down the road, you know, they'd have a Dan Conley or a Ryan Wendell or a Ted Karras, like ready to go in case they needed some sort of interior offensive lineman. And, you know, I, I just, I just disagreed with drafting a guard there. Um, it wasn't had nothing to do with Cole Strange. Um, you know, but, you know, him coming from UT Chattanooga, being a first round guard and being plugged in there immediately, given his build, uh, I thought it was a tough ask. And, you know, I, I figured he'd be a starter in all season, but I figured he'd struggle. He's a little, he's a little undersized, especially in the lower body. And so that has, you know, and I think I said this early on, I worry about him against big, powerful defensive interior linemen, which you see a lot of in this division, at yeah. least as a rookie. That has sort of played out. And um, I, he'll be fine. He'll be fine in the long run. 
Um, he, you know, he was better in this game, I would say. Um, you know, still has a very long ways to go. Um, and of course, right tackle has just been a flaming inferno since they started, <laughs> whether it was Isaiah Wynn or Yadni Kajust or, you know, Marcus Cannon. Now, you know, again, not planning ahead. You know, they drafted the guy Stuber out of Michigan who hasn't, who hasn't been able to play all year, but, you know, they couldn't find another young guy to stash on the practice squad and sort of develop to have ready. They had to bring Connor McDermott back. I mean, it's just another puzzling <laughs> decision for me. Yeah, Connor McDermott, you've talked about him a lot. I know that. Yeah. Um, so on the defense, on the defensive line, who do you think has been the most consistent performer all year from, from, from the first game on? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, you know, I think consistent, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna group in the edge rushers because yeah. you know, sort of, you know, the interior, and then also sort of the edge guys, whether that's Wise and Judon and Uche, and you know, so I grouped, uh, we'll just group them all in together. I would say the most consistent guy all year would probably have to be Judon. I mean, I think he's he's been more consistent um, this year. I think the chore is definitely going to get tougher uh the next three week uh next four weeks now the raiders if he's playing against the right tackle it's not going to be as hard um the matchup against colton miller the left tackle that's a tough matchup um you know so i think judon's had a really good season throughout um better more consistent than last year i would say godchow's done a pretty good job this year i think he's been better this year than he was last year um guy to me, he's on the back nine of his career. He's been always been one of my favorites. He's still a good player. Again, another position, interior sort of run-stuffing defensive tackle where they don't have any other guys coming up. They didn't draft a guy. That's kind of why they had to sign Devon Godchow to an extension because there's nobody else to take his place if he leaves. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think, you know, obviously Uche's kind of the, Flavor of the month now with his performance <laughs> over the past five games. Right. You know, look, I, I think the guy's done a good job. What I didn't realize until I was just writing a story, um, you know, a few hours ago, what I didn't realize is that, um, you know, similar to the defense as a whole has only beaten backup, uh, quarterbacks. Right. Uh, I just realized that Josh Uche during this five game, you know, 10 sacks in five games, he's only gotten against one starter at left tackle <laughs> in that time. And that's uh, Dwayne Brown, who's yeah. over the hill, Dwayne Brown. He only had a half a sack uh, against him. Everybody else has been a backup. So uh, I'm not ready to go nuts over that yet either. But, um, you know, I th I think for the most part, the whole defensive line, I think they've done a good job this year. I think they 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 were better. They've been better against the run. I think they'll get stressed more, especially against the Raiders this week. So we'll get a little bit more of a better judgment on how they're doing. So I guess I, I would want your opinion on Dietrich Wise because he's been around what's uh, five, six years now, right? Uh, just the play he was, you know, when he came. Did you see him take a big step forward this year, being named captain? And he's on the he's on the field for a lot of plays. You know, what, what's your just your your opinion on him over the years and how far he's come. Yeah, I think Wise has had a really nice season. Um, you know, Wise was a guy uh his rookie year who, you know, I sort of saw right away. Who I was like, this guy with his, he's such a he has such a big personality and things like that. I was like, this guy could be a star here. And just in terms of being a big personality and uh, you know, popular with the media and 
you know, possibly commercials and things like that. Uh, you know, I think he's been a good player throughout for the team here. I think he's, uh, they found him a better role this year. I think at times it's been unfair what he's done, what they've done to him in his career, because I think when he was drafted, the Patriots were more of sort of a, uh, a four, four down lineman type of thing, a four, three team. And that's really what he is. He's really sort of like a big defensive end. And then you kick him inside in pass rushing downs. Well, you know, for a while there, including now, they've gone to more of a three man line and which is they, for a while there, they used to make him play three, four defensive end. And that's yeah. just not fair to him with his body size. Like yeah. he's not big enough. And so he used to get the crap beat out of him. And, you know, I didn't think that was fair. In my opinion, I thought they, you know, they should have traded him to a team where he fit the system a little bit more. You know, you put him on like a Cincinnati or somebody, more of a traditional 4-3, I think he's even more effective. But the guy's been a really good patriot, been productive, does whatever the coaches ask, doesn't complain. Um, you know, and I think he's he's done a really nice job this year. Well, are there any real, like, scary leaders on the team? I mean, we got the McCordy and Slater that kind of lead by example, but is there anyone on defense that kind of revs up the team and gets them to play a little bit stronger or harder? Uh, good question. Um, no, not really. I mean, you know, you see what McCordy does, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't really see a whole lot of that. Um, I think it, they, they have more quiet leaders. I think they're trying to – I think you heard Slater the other day talk about, um, you know, Mac finding more of his voice because I think they recognize that they they need that. They need somebody to sort of, you know, stir the drink, um, you know, with this team. And uh, they're just lacking in sort of those, you know, th those leaders. And, you know, I, you know, I would say the leaders are, you know, sort of McCordy, Jonathan Jones, Juwan Bentley. Um, I think Judon's a leader up front wise offensive line is, you know, Andrews, Max, a leader. Um, you know, I think Damian Harris is a little bit of a leader, but yeah, I don't think they have many rah-rah guys. Well, it's not even a rah-rah guy. You know, when you think back to the really successful teams, right? Do, I don't think there's anybody in that locker room that's a grab a guy and say, hey, you know, what, what are you yeah. doing? You know, you got to do this, 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 and this. I don't think there's a guy like that in the locker room, like, like a McGinnis or – you know, Ty Law or any of those guys that would grab somebody and say, you know, what what are you doing? What you know, what are you saying? Why are you saying this stuff? And you know, just worry about playing. I don't, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a strong alpha male in the locker room that would would do that. Now, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, I don't think it's it's always needed, but you know, you look at uh, you know, the Brewskis, McGinnis, guys like that. You know, of course, Brady later on in his career. Um, you know, certainly doesn't it doesn't hurt to have guys like that. So, talk a little bit about your uh, Greg Bedard Patriot podcast. What what do you uh, talk about? Do you talk about that on a regular basis? Uh, how often do you broadcast your podcast? Um, yeah. So Nick Cattles and I uh, started that a few years ago. Um, you know, just sort of an extension of you know what I do at BostonSportsJournal dot com, but you know, and also. Uh, to give people who uh, 
you know, would like to hear my opinions a little bit more, <laughs> um, unfiltered and away from Felger and Maz. Uh, it sort of gives them that opportunity. So, you know, during the season, we usually tape it, you know, twice a week, uh, usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesday's more of a review of that week's games. Um, and then Thursday, sort of a preview for, you know, uh, for, for what's ahead. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's fun. You know, people seem to like it and, uh, you know, any way that I can, uh, connect with the people and, and get in front of them. Uh, I'll try anything. So I'm a paid member of the Boston Sports Journal. Um, enjoy it. So what kind of got you into that? Because then you started, you know, I mean, obviously now you're covering other sports. Um, so how, what, what kind of got you into what, what got that idea going and how did you have that come to fruition? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, thank you for being a paid subscriber. Uh, that, uh, you know, certainly helps. Um, you know, everybody involved. So, um, you know, basically Boston sports com was just, it was born out of desperation. You know, really I, I had gotten laid off from sports illustrated and I talked to everybody at the time, locally, nationally, things like that, trying to find another job. And, and it was at a time where a lot of media was contracting at the time. Um, nobody was doing, uh, was hiring a bunch of people and, and, uh, you know, pretty quickly I realized and, you know, talked to my wife, I said, you know, look, at the end of the day, I don't know whether there's a job out there for me. Um, and I don't know if there's a chair. And so it's either, you know, do I leave the business? Go, do I go and do something else or, you know, do I try to hang on? And so, you know, that was sort of the genesis of it. There was a guy in Pittsburgh, uh, Dayan Kovacevic, who, uh, had started a subscription site, a city site. And, you know, some people pointed me in his direction. I checked it out. I talked to him. Um, I thought that something similar could work here in, in Boston. And, uh, you know, while I, w- I wouldn't categorize it as the, uh, as wildly successful, um, you know, it's, we're in our sixth year. We're still yeah. living and still doing it. And it's, you know, it's given, you know, an outlet for me to continue what I'm, what I'm doing. And I think it's in my opinion, I think what I do on the, on the Patriots is, um, is vital to, you know, keeping people, you know, accountable, giving people the truth and not just sort of, you know, fantasy land about what's going on with the Patriots. And also, you know, it's been a, you know, Sean McAdam was one of the first to join on board with me. He was out of work from Comcast at the time. Um, you know, and, and Sean's done great work for us and, you know, in some of the other positions, there's been sort of, you know, a rotation of people coming in. Like we just lost Connor Ryan, our Bruins guy to Boston.com. But Brian, you know, Joe McDonald went to the athletic. Brian Robb went to, uh, Mass Live. Uh, Christopher Price went to Boston.com. And so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be sort of like a farm system, you know, for people. And, you know, really the idea was people who are out of work. You know, if they want to keep working, give them that opportunity, but also, you know, sort of develop like the next generation of reporters who I think in this day and age, their opportunities are kind of few and far between. Either they got to take one of these jobs at a clickbait factory where they got to write a headline on everything that every Patriots player says, right. um, which I don't like at all. And I don't like what media is turned into. And, you know, for now, you know, we're trying to remain, hey, you know, I, they come on board and I say, go do your thing, go report, yeah. 
go do what you need to do. I stay out of the way and just give them a platform to show what they can do. Yeah. Well, you like the bill, you're the, your uh, people on your staff, or you like the Bill Belichick with the coaching staff. They just, they, people keep taking them from you, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't put Matt Patricia on the Bruins beat. Yeah. They, if he calls, if he calls, I'd kind of let, I'd pass on him. But, <laughs> um, so, I, well, what I was thinking of doing was I'd send you a link to some of my information. So I got that off yesterday, off yesterday's, uh, appearance. So you, you don't like the links, huh? Uh, when they send you a link for a- <laughs> no, and some some teacher like took me to task about it. Said you know, like, oh it really? Was, like, cringy, yeah. Some guys like I tell my students to do an online portfolio. I was like, look, you know, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but like you know, I'm gonna be 49 in a few weeks. Like you know, I am what I am at this point, and I was brought up the way that I brought up, and like you know, I just figure. Somebody's going to send me an email. It's going to have their resume. It's going to have some, you know, examples to their work. I mean, yeah. some stuff has to be linked, videos and podcasts and things like that. I get it. But, you know, when it comes to the written product, you know, you got to think about, you know, what's going to make it easy. I mean, I uh, I thought my Twitter following was one thing, but like I was deluged <laughs> with applications yeah. after the Felger and Maz thing. It's like nonstop in my email. Now well, I probably they, have like 100 go. applicants. No, I just, so like, now I, I really don't have any time. I like the way you said it though. Do some work. Don't just send me a link, you know, do, do some work, put some attachments in there. So that was, that yeah, was it's good. A, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, the one guy who's like, where do I find your email address to, 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 to <laughs> yeah, send that was good to you? And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just like, uh, a reporter would know, or at least yeah. they would find out, like do yeah. the work, do yeah. some reporting. That's how I got you. I went on your page and I say, I sent the there email to the support to contact you. Well, we've done a, a variety of, uh, um podcasts and in the process uh we had irving fryer which we're going to post uh uh in the next uh, i don't know week or two and then we started talking about irving fryer and stanley morgan potentially getting into the pro football hall of fame and they're both pretty much the same kind of player although irving fryer played a lot long, longer and so irving fry says how does that work i mean how does uh, you know, get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I told him that I kind of worked with Borges a little bit to try to analyze Stanley Morgan's career. And next thing you know, Irving Fryer says, hey, can you write a book about me? And I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've never written a book about a player and stuff, but I got the stats. And uh, so if any of these guys that come to you and, you know, want to help me uh, put a book together on Irving Fryer, uh, I'd love to. See if I can find some people that can. I I'll provide the stats and maybe we can put something together on Irving Fryer. He's got a, a quite an interesting story and he's willing to share it. So there you go. Yeah, he went through a lot of stuff. So all right, so we'll, we'll kind of start wrapping this up. So I, I guess I get, I have two questions for you and then I'll turn it over to okay. Bob. And again, thank you for your time tonight, Greg. It's a, it's an honor to have you on. Like I said, big fan of you. So this is great. Do you see? But the first question I have is: Do you see Belichick breaking the record as a Patriots coach? Um, good question. Um, yeah, what, three more years, four more years. Maybe? No, I think he'll get it. I think he'll get it. Well, I mean, it's a, a lot of it depends on how I, 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 I hate to like, you know, duck the question, but a, a lot of it depends on how he finishes this year. Um, yeah, it does, you know, cause I don't, I think they're, if, if they, if they lose their last four games, 
Um, I'm saying all bets are off. Now, I'm not saying that Kraft is going to fire him. I don't think Kraft would ever fire him, but he he would definitely. There's going to be uncomfortable conversation. It depends how accommodating Bill's going to be. If Bill at 70 years old, it's like Robert. You're right. Okay, I'll hire X, Y, and Z. Not a problem. Which he might because you know he has everything wired the way he wants it now. He's got Nantucket. He's got his two kids on staff. He's got Amanda as the you know Holy Cross lacrosse coach. Like, you know, he's got his own sort of fiefdom here yep. and he's not going to get that everywhere else. And so I think the crafts have a lot of leverage in this situation. And I think Bill's no dummy. I think he recognizes that. And if this does go poorly, I don't think Bill's going to stick to his guns and say, nope, this is what we're going to do. We're going to roll it back. These guys are good enough. I know it. If he says that, I don't know. All bets are off. But I guess if I had to guess right now, if I had to bet, Right now, I would say yes. Bill Belichick sets the all-time wins record on the Patriots sideline. All right, so that was that was interesting. So, do you do you think you'll ever hear Belichick say he made a mistake? If let, let's say things go bad this year and next year they they're going to restructure, do you ever think you would hear Belichick at a press conference say, "You know what? I misjudged last year, and you know probably could have done things different, but this is this year, and you know." This is why I'm bringing it as a head. Like, do you ever think you would, with his ego, do you ever think you would see him kind of admit that he really screwed up this year? In some ways, even in his own way, right? Do you think you'd yeah. hear that? Um, At a press conference, do I think I would hear him say, say they do go 0-4 down the stretch, the offense stinks, and he brings in Billy O'Brien after the season? No, in a press conference, I don't. I think he'll just say something like, you know, uh, we just think that was in the best interest of the team. Billy was available. We thought it was <laughs> yeah. a good fit. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. Privately, I think he would. I think I, Bill's not afraid to admit mistakes. Bill is very honest about his football team. Um, you know, not always at the top of his game as far as addressing those needs and fixing his football team. But he's pretty honest uh, behind closed doors. Uh, I cannot see him owning it and saying, I made a mistake, it was my fault, blame me, I screwed up. I can't. I would love for him to surprise me, but no, I can't see that. All right. So last question for me, and then I'll turn it over to Bob, is last four games, um, what's their record the last four games? Oh, man. <laughs> um, uh, you can go game by game if you want, if that makes it easier. Well, I picked. I already picked the Raiders this week okay. um, on my podcast that um, is out now. Um, they're not going to beat the Bengals. The Dolphins game is a, you know, it depends on the weather in that game. Um, you know, but provided it's not terrible, I think they go zero and four. I do. I, I just, I, I just don't think they have enough. I just don't think they're good enough at this point in time, and I think they're. I think they're about to be carved up defensively by these last four teams. Wow. Okay. So I mean, last, last thing I'll say is that hope, I'd, I'd love to have you on once the year's over and we can kind of talk about the year. So definitely would love to have you on after that. So Bob, I'll turn it over to you and Greg again. Sounds thanks good. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the special teams, Marcus Jones and uh, you know, the defensive fumble recovery for a touchdown. I mean, they've squeaked out a couple, you know, pretty rare plays to score touchdowns and win the game. The offense is not just putting the points up. So 
Yeah, you uh, can't play Colt McCoy every week. And you can't get DeAndre Hopkins dropping balls to you every week. And uh, what was the other one? What was the uh, – oh, the stupid punt return against the Jets. That was moronic. Oh, yeah. 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 He, six seconds left punting him the ball. That was just dumb. Yeah. Yep. And that's what you look for. You know, who makes the dumb mistakes? Yeah. Um, I want to, you know, give a shout out to that uh, shirt you're wearing there for Dakota, the swing juice. You want to give him a 10 second plug there? Uh, yeah. I mean, check out swingjuice.com. I mean, sometimes Dakota calls in with re- really horrible takes on Felger and Maz, and I need <laughs> yeah. to slap them down yeah. uh, a little bit, including, you know, it's just. It just drives me crazy when everybody everybody wants to make it about the quarterback. They want to go to the lowest. It's the lowest hanging fruit, lowest common denominator. Where, you know, like I, I just wish people would use their brains a little bit more and just look at you know, look Mac Jones as a rookie. Look at him. Now it wasn't perfect, and you know, and no, but he, was, like, well, he had a high trajectory. Str- yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you you figured most guys you build on it into year two, ten and seven playoffs, like you know, and they I think they would have and just. Just look at what's different this year, and and like the, you know the the amount of mistakes that they made, and just it wasn't just the play caller and the plays and the system. It was, you know, making the offensive tackles swap sides. You know, drafting a guard in the first round. It was, you know, um, you know, all sorts of stuff like the not not having a fullback. You know, to to just like a fullback would be great to use against the Raiders this week. The Raiders can't stop the run worth a damn, but I don't know if the Patriots can block it up well enough in a one-back system. You mean like Jakob Johnson, you mean? Yes, you know, like <laughs> Jakob Johnson. And uh, not that it had to be Jakob, but just a fullback. Uh, yeah. So it's just like, you know, stop making it about the quarterback. It's not all about the quarterback. No. And, you know, is he is he Joe Burrow? No. Um you know, is he is he Patrick Mahomes? No, but he can be pretty damn good, and he was on his way until all Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up. But I got one name for you, and it's funny because I remember I, I saw it this year. So I, I think it was this year, and I know you'll know Dan Skipper. Did he get the game ball? Who did he get the game ball? He with? did. He did. He got the game ball for uh, the Lions. He yep. he went over and he played guard in a game. That they won, and yep, he got the game. It was ball his first game, Matt Patricia. Yeah. So, how, let me ask you this: Did you, you must have had a big smile on your face when you saw that? Uh, I yeah, I thought it was you know pretty funny. I mean, I just remember back to that time. Like, I think it was the Patriots didn't have a tackle, and I saw this big guy Dan Skipper out yeah. in shorts, and I watched him, and I was like, this guy's got a chance. I mean, I didn't know if he was gonna start or anything, but you know, I was like, you know, keep. He, he, remember the name, Dan Skipper. And yeah, the guy's I, still playing. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that on TV, I was like, wow, Vidal must be smiling. He was better than Connor McDermott, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I know yeah. you're no fan of Connor McDermott. I know that one. Yeah. So, but Greg, again, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. And I definitely, like I said, I'd love to have you on after the season and we could kind of, hopefully it's not 0 4, but if it is, we'll have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Oh, I would love that. And the Patriots are never boring. That's a good thing for all of us. All right, Greg. Thank you again for your time. And I appreciate having you on. Okay. See you. Thanks for listening to Untold Patriot Stories with Scott Prusak and Dave Usher. Please follow us on whatever platform you download your podcasts and be sure to tell your friends.